If you turn in your Bibles quickly, we're going to look at Luke chapter 5, I believe it is. Luke chapter 2, excuse me, verse 5. And it says it like this. It'll be on the screens. It says, and when um, he went there to register with Mary, talking about Joseph, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for him or them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. I guess you would be. And verse 10, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that over the next 15, 20 minutes or so that every man and woman in this room would have a revelation that you are Christ the Lord. You are a Savior. A Savior was born to us. And you are Christ the Lord. Father, I pray that each, each and every one of us as we sit around coffee tables and as we live rooms and dining tables uh, over the next few days with family and relatives and co-workers, that Lord God, that we would remember that Christmas is so much more than presents and trees and lights. It's about this day, oh, some 2,000 years ago, that we celebrate that you came as a child in a manger because you so loved the world. And so Lord, it's with that that we commit ourselves. Help me to articulate this truth to your people. In Jesus' name, everybody shout it, amen. So this, this passage is so beautiful, especially as it fits into us answering the question, who is Jesus? When we started with this series, we started with answering who is Jesus by starting with the fact that he is the Son of God. And we went to the Holy Scriptures where it talks about how Jesus literally is the Word. And the Word was in the beginning. The Word was with God in the book of John chapter 1. And the Word was God. And so in the very beginning, Jesus was there. Jesus did not just come as a man on the earth, and that's his only form or time of existence. Jesus is God. He's not a good prophet. He's not a good uh, philosopher. He wasn't a good man who did good things like the Dalai Lama. He was God. Somebody say amen. He was the Son of God. And therefore, his words are true and are to be obeyed and to be trusted. Then last week, we looked into the fact that Jesus was the servant of all. That he literally came and he served humanity. Why would he do that to win our hearts? He served humanity. He literally came that none should perish but all have eternal life. And today, as we read in this passage, and as the children here at Church on the Hill help me illustrate, the angel came forth on that wonderful night, and he came forth in front of these shepherds, if you will. Now, shepherds are an interesting group of people. They are not the high caliber of society. They're not socialites. They didn't inherit mom and dad's mansion, nor did they have a business that was one of ease and comfort and white collar. Shepherds would be like the blue collar workers of our day, like many of us. Shepherds were just simple fellas, and their goal and their job description was one of great magnitude. For they had to watch over the sheep. They had to care for the sheep. They had to fend, uh, stay the night with them. They, they, they stunk because they were out there with them day in and day out. They had to sleep out under the stars amongst them. 
They literally were considered in Jewish culture some of the lower level jobs. In fact, for a shepherd uh, to be able to even go into the temple, he had to go through a time of cleansing because he worked with animals. And, and he was unclean, basically. And so he had to go through this time of cleansing. But because they were so busy watching the sheep, taking the sheep from one field to another so they could have substance, so that they could literally defend off the bears and the lions and tigers. Oh my! And as they would fight off all these, and they run their fingers down through their wool, constantly checking for wounds, constantly checking if they got cockerburrs under their skin that would cause infection. And they were constantly worried and caring and giving themselves to these sheep. And how interesting it is that when the king of glory The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Son of God, the servant of all, the Savior Lord would come to the earth that he would not come riding on a great stallion with millions of angels following him with swords strong. That will happen one day. We'll study that next week. But he comes in the simplest form in the, of a child in a manger. And his pronunciation that he's there, the, the proclamation, excuse me, that he has come. The king has come. It's not at a great party in Jerusalem. It's not in front of millions and millions of people waiting for the ball to drop. He comes and is announced as he's just in a little lowly stable and just a, a feeding trough as it was. And he is announced not to the socialites, not to the leaders of the day, not to the present of then the known world, not to the governor of that nation or that country or that state, but to the shepherds. You see, that's interesting. Why would he do that? I think God is illustrating that he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That he doesn't see as men see. That he looks upon us, just common folk. There are many of you God has blessed, but most of us in this room, we're just good, simple folk. Wouldn't you say amen to that? He would have come to us. The angel would have showed up at our place. Come on, somebody. He'd have, been in, he'd have been in our automotive shop. He'd have been there with us in that cubicle saying, hey, guess what? The Savior's here for you. Hey, there's a Savior that's been born just for you. He's come. He's here. He's here. And the shepherds are in so awe that the angel would literally, and then a host of angels would show up, light up the sky in their little environment and say, I have a proclamation. I need to tell you something. The Savior is here The king of glory has arrived, and I'm telling you first. Now, you think about that for a moment. Your first child, those of you that have children, who was the first person you called? Who was the first person you called when that big significant event happened in your life, whether it was the fact that you got engaged or got married or or that you had your first child? Who was in the room with you, sweet love, as you were giving birth? It would only be someone very special. Come on, somebody. It would only be somebody who was very close and dear to your heart. It would have to be somebody of importance that you would immediately dial them on the cell phone and say, he's here. After 15 hours of labor, he's here. I just want to tell you, I made it and he made it. And this is what happens and who God the Father present the king of glory to? To shepherds. I love that passage in Corinthians that it literally talks about how it it says he takes the foolish things to confound the wise. And he goes after the lowly in heart and the simple. Isn't that beautiful? God loves us. Good old folks just doing our best. Come on, making mistakes along the way, but Jesus is with us. Come on now. And he proclaims that to these people. Very significant. And then I love what the angel says. He says, unto you this day is born a Savior, Christ the Lord. In this third part of our series, I want to answer the question, who is Jesus? He is the Savior, Christ the Lord. He is Lord and Savior. 
So let's talk a little bit about what is a savior. Let's define that for just a moment. We can literally define savior as this, as one who delivers from evil, suffering, and pain. Now you live in the United States of America. So you have no concept of needing to be delivered from suffering and pain. You say, oh, you don't know who I work for. No, 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 you have no idea what real suffering and pain is like. You can't imagine what it is to be enslaved. You have no concept even of these little girls around the world who are enslaved in the sex trafficking industry and there's nothing they can do. There is no hope for them. Only to have these moments where people who get fired up and excited and say, no more are we going to let this injustice happen. And as they break through that environment and deliver those young ladies, those young ladies would understand what it is to be saved. They would understand what it is to have everything in life recap, to even not, not even have hope, to have been, this is who I am, this is what I was created for, and then to be delivered from that, you and I don't even have a real point of reference for it. We don't even have a real cognizant concept of what that is. We live in the United States of America, the home of the free and the land of the brave. Because our forefathers and mothers fought that you and I would not have a dictatorship telling us you're going to do this. And if you don't, then we'll kill you. You have no other choice but to do what we, you're our slave. You're our, you are, we control you. And so when Jesus is pronounced as Savior the Christ, the Lord. As Savior, Savior of what? What did, what did we need to be saved from? Did we need to be saved from a dictator? No, that's not what he's talking about. Did we need to be saved from, from you know, from, from a horrible uh, uh, different leaders in our lives as we live? No, that's not at all. He's talking about saving us from us. From the evil that's in each and every one of us. From that which causes us to lie, to cheat, to be perverted. To be bitter. That inside of us, it causes us to hurt and wound the person next to us because we've been hurt and wounded. Jesus came to save us from us. To save us from our own flesh. And Paul said it like this in Romans. He says, oh, wretched man that I am. The thing I don't want to do, I do. The thing I say I'm going to do for you, Lord, I don't do. Who will deliver it? Now, this is Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He says this, and this is, he's writing Romans later. As, uh, it's not the first book that he wrote. He's not a novice as he's writing this. He's further along in his Christianity. He's a theologian of theologians. And he writes this passage in the book of Romans. And, he's, and he says, oh, who will deliver me from the sin nature inside of me? Oh, we have a Savior. His name is Jesus. And salvation comes to us in three parts, or in three tenses. Let's say it like that. God, the Father, sent His Son, Jesus Christ, who came, God came and lived amongst us. He served us, and He is Savior, and He wants to save us in three tenses. First of all, from our past. How many of you needed to be saved from your past? Somebody say amen. Oh man, half of you. The rest of you need to get delivered. I mean, He saved me from my past. I know who I would be were it not for Jesus. I know what I would be were it not for Jesus. I know what he's delivered me from. I'd be a pervert who's stolen all your money and you'd never know about it. That's who I would have been. That's the trajectory I was on based on the evil inside of me. But Jesus came into my life. I surrendered my life to him and he saved me. He, salvation came to me from my past. But he doesn't just want to save our past. He wants to save our present. Come on, somebody. I need to be, I need that salvation work every day as I drive up and down 67 and people like you cut in front of me and I want to just murder you and I have to say, no, save me again. Deliver me from that too. And then not only that, but he wants to, be our savior for our future. Not just our past and not just our present, but the day to come. 
And the Bible talks about for those who do not accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, that there is a fearful expectation of what is to come. And we know it is hell, as the Bible calls it very clearly, a place of torment, a place of destruction. Some people come to Christ because they don't want to go to hell. But they don't understand. Christ doesn't want to just save you from hell. He wants to save you from your past and the junk that has controlled you and the bitterness from when your grandmother did what she did to you and from your first wife when she said what she said to you. And that thing stirs in you and causes you to be affected in your present. He wants to deliver you from the past and save you from that. Not save you from some tyrannical leader. Not to save you from some drug or something. But to save you from you and the lust and the love of those wicked things and deliver us and then to deliver us and save us from even in the present in which we live. And so he's proclaimed as Savior. And the angel stands there and says, for unto you this day is born in the city of David and in Bethlehem and in a manger just down the street from where you guys are at right now is born to you the Savior. The Savior. And then he calls him Christ the Lord. If you were to ask me, so Pastor Adam, who is Jesus to you? He is my Savior. He delivered me from me and from the sin habits of my life, the destructive behavior that I had grown up in and knew. It's all I knew and what I was and what I was becoming. He delivered, he saved me from that. So when you hear people say, are you saved? A lot of times they have no idea what they're saved Saved from what? No, I'm, I mean, my car works. I'm not gonna die in it. You know, what do you mean? What am I saved from? Are you saved from the sin that permeates all of our lives? That's what Savior is. But he didn't stop there. He called him the Savior who is Christ the Lord. I want you to understand something. Jesus is my Savior, but he's also my Lord. Let me define Lord to you for just a moment. The definition of a Lord is one who has absolute control. It denotes a master over slaves or a ruler over subjects. The problem with us is that we're Americans and nobody tells me what to do. Nobody rules me. I rule myself. I make the decisions I want, I go where I want, I do what I want, and I do it how I want to do it. And anybody who tries to tell me, I will buck them, I will throw them off because they are standing in my way. But here's the problem with that. He cannot be Savior if you won't make him Lord. He can't, he can't save you from you <laughs> if you won't follow him. He can't continue. To, so, so I made a decision as a kid, and I came to Christ as, as, a, as a young man, and, and I wanted him to be my Savior. And it did. My past went away. I mean, he washed it clean. For the first time, I was convicted. I was never convicted. I'd cuss you up one side and down. I'd take from you. I mean, I, it didn't, didn't bother me one bit. It was, it was, you know, doggy dog world. And that's what I grew up in. And that's what I was going to And then as I got saved, or I accepted the Savior in my life, all that went away. And I was convicted. But then I had to go through my daily present life of surrendering myself to his lordship so that the salvation work could continue happening in my life. So that all throughout my life, I could say, he's not just my savior, he's my lord. And whatever he says goes. So this lordship thing is where the problem comes in for most Christians. They don't want to go to hell and they don't want their past to dictate their life anymore. But the problem with the past and the future and the present is that if it's not surrendered to his lordship, you have, you're still the one in control. And what got you where, where you're at is you being in control. And so if you're so good at running your life, then why do you have the problems that you have? And this is why we have such a problem with the United States, because we all think our life is good. We all think, well, that's good. I don't need a Savior. In fact, Savior is for weak people. That's the intellectual concept of the day. It's Christianity and following a God 
that you cannot see is for people who are intellectually weak. Because if they could think through further than just, I need a little God to get me out of my problems, they would realize that they are the Lord of their own lives and that they can do whatever they want to do whenever they want to. If they just had better brain power, if they just tried harder, if they studied more. And that's the prevailing concept of our generation. But the problem with that is, 2,000 years ago, an angel stood out in a field with all these shepherds and said, for today... You lucky dogs. I'm translating. You lucky dogs. Today in your lifetime. Hallelujah. No, but today has been born Christ. The Savior. The Lord is here. For those of you who would accept him as such, he will transform you as such. There was a young man whose father was very, very wealthy. And early in this young man's life, his mom passed away. And so, basically, he was raised by the help of the home. The dad was always away on business, jet-setting all across the world, making big business deals in China and Europe. This young man grew up without that dad and without a mom, and so he became embittered at life. He acted out. He got kicked out of one school after another. The dad... To try to appease him, just bought him whatever he wanted, whatever he needed. Didn't know how to give him love and attention. Didn't know how to interact with him. He was going through what he was going through with the loss of his wife. And he's got this rebellious kid. That young man, 13, began to do drugs and hang out with the, the little drug kids, if you will. He became a rebel to show the world. Everything he did was to try to get back at his dad. Anything that looked like authority, he fought against it. He kicked against it. 16 years old, for his 16th birthday, his dad bought him a sports car really fast. But he wasn't there to even present it to him because he was overseas doing a deal. That young man would drive that car recklessly, violently trying to tear it up. More and more he got involved with drugs and things like that. One particular evening, 16 years old, A fit of rage because his girlfriend broke up with him. He tore off in that sports car there in the mountains of California, along the ocean line there. And he's ripping and tearing down through that little road and showing himself. He comes around the corner too fast right as he comes to a bridge. Begins to spin out of control, spinning, spinning, spinning. Hits the rail of that bridge and splits that rail right down the middle. His car begins to go over the side Full fury of all the, 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 the speed that he had. And right at the last second as he's going to fall to his death hundreds and hundreds of feet below to the canyon. The back tires grab and kind of stop. And he's teetering from falling. He begins to panic. He can't, his heart is beating so fast. He's screaming for help. He goes to open the door. And as he does, the car starts sliding more. So he leans back and he's just, he's just uh, paralyzed with fear. Knowing that if he makes any move, he's going to die. It seemed like hours had passed. No one was coming down that road. No one saw him. He cried out for help. He, he couldn't reach his cell phone. He couldn't do anything. And, and in that moment, he said, oh, God, if you'll do something for me, I'll change. Oh, yeah, oh something's going to help, help, help. And finally, what seemed to be hours was just a few minutes. An older gentleman drives up in his car, recognizing this accident. Knowing that it's a very critical moment. Gets out of his car and walks very carefully up to this young man's car. 
The young man begins to scream, help me, help me, sir, help me. He said, son, be still, be really still, because the wrong move, and you're dead. Is the car still turned on? Yes, sir, it is. Roll down the window. He rolls down the window. He says, son, I'm going to hold on to the side of this bridge, and I'm going to stretch out over it and put my hand down in the window. You grab a hold of my hand, son. We're going to have one moment, one chance at this whole thing. I'm going to count to three, and when I do, you just jump out of it and hold on to my arm, and I'll pull you to safety. No, no, I can't do it. I'm going to die. No, no, son, listen to me. Listen. Settle yourself down and listen to my voice. I got you. We can do this. One, two, three. And he begins to pull him out. As soon as he does, the car begins to slide. It slips right out from under him. The young man's dangling as the older man holds on to him. The car just falls hundreds and hundreds of feet to the bottom of the canyon. Hits in a giant explosion. The young man is grasping to the side of the bridge. The older man helps him up. And the young man holds him and just holds him, weeping uncontrollably. Uh, just as a, as a bitter little 16-year-old, all of it just comes spewing out of him. Oh, my God. Oh, you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And he's so shocked and so freaked out that he didn't even know how to talk to him and the older man puts him in the car and begins to driving back to his home the young man can't even remember how to tell him where to go and they're just driving for again what seems to be hours and in that state of emotion the young man begins to pour out his heart he begins to say my dad's never been there for me because the older man asked him son what were you doing how did this happen He could smell the alcohol on his breath. He could tell that his eyes had a look of one who had been taking drugs. He could sense that this young man was the rebel trying to prove himself. This older man had seen a lot of young men like him. Sat there, he talked with him. He said, son, listen, you've got to stop this. You're destroying your life. You made it today. And it is a miracle. Sir, if you wouldn't have been there, I would be dead. And no one would even care, son. I care. I'm sure your dad really does care, but son, you've got to stop this. I will, I will. I'm going to stop hanging out with my friends. They're the ones doing all the job. I'm going to stop showing my backside. I'm just going to sit. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to do right. Son, you promise? Yeah. Yes, sir, I do. The older man writes his phone number. This is my cell phone. If you need anything, anything, I'll stop whatever I'm doing to help you. Yes, sir, I promise I'm going to change. You promise? Yes, sir, I'm going to change. Days go by. Weeks go by. The older man never gets a phone call. That young man goes right back to his old ways. In fact, it becomes a joke about all his buddies when they're getting high as a kite. 16 turns to 17. The craziness that he'd done at 16 wasn't enough. Wasn't enough, he had to try more things. So then he gets into selling the drugs, not because he needs the money, he doesn't need the money. He just likes the thrill of not getting caught, doing something rebellious and crazy and wild. Over and over, he's in and out of scenarios with guns being shot and, and down in places he should never be in. His life constantly on the line. A young man with a desire literally to kill himself. In one moment, this giant deal, this drug deal, doesn't under, realize that it's a setup. That the police have been, been on him the whole time. And he gets busted. All kinds of drugs. He's looking at 30 years easily. He's in jail and there's no way his dad's money is going to get him out of it. He's caught. They got it on video. They got people to testify. It's done. That young man. 
now 18 years old. He's probably going to get the full sentence of 30 years. He comes walking into the courtroom. His dad's bought the best lawyers. That man standing there, he's intelligent. He's argumentative. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's even manipulative. The dad's sitting behind him. The young man walks in, handcuffs around his hands. He sits down next to his lawyer. Bailiff says, all rise, and in comes walking the judge. The young man looks at him. He says, man, that guy's familiar looking. How do I know him? The judge starts talking to the attorneys. This is what this case is going to be, your witnesses, da-da-da. And it hits him. That's him. That's the man who two years ago saved me from dying. Oh, he loves me. Now that guy's got, man, how you doing? Judge looks at him and nods. Hey, 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 we're going to be okay, bro. Hey, no way I'm going to jail. That guy right there, he likes me. He's been, he saved me. Man, I was about to die, and he stopped, and he helped me. Woo, we're in good shape, bro. This, I don't even need you, man. This is going to be awesome. They go through the whole case. All the evidence is presented. The judge excuses himself to come up with his verdict. He comes back and convenes court. Sits down at his spot in his chair. And he looks at the young man. He said, on this count, I find you guilty. When tent to sell, I find you guilty. And I sentence you to 30 years in state penitentiary. The young man begins to lose it. He begins to weep uncontrollably. No, no, no. And his dad's like, we'll appeal, we'll appeal, don't worry about it. And he looks up at that judge. He says, why? Well, don't you recognize me? Sir, don't you know who I am? I'm the guy that, that you saved that day. Remember? I was in the car and I crashed through the rail and I was about to die, but you stopped and you saved me. Remember, we talked for like hours and, and, and you were good to me. Why aren't you good to me now? Well, why, why are you doing this to me? This is not fair. It's not right. Give me another chance. In that moment, that judge looked at him. He said, son, I remember you. I know exactly who you are. And that day, on the side of that bridge, I was your savior. But today, I'm your judge. See, listen to me. He came as Christ, the savior. But when we die, we're going to give an account for our life. He won't be savior in that moment if you've not made him Lord throughout life. He'll then be judge. And it'll already be preset. There's nothing to be done about it. Because you made those choices. So when people ask me, Pastor, who is Jesus? He's my Savior. I know who I would be. But I've made him my Lord. He came as Savior. But I made him my Lord. So that I could understand how to live. So that I could live in the deliverance and the covering of his salvation. So that I would know the ways to live. And not to live. So that I could have myself right before him. Here's the problem with the church around the world. We want him to be our savior. But we don't want him to be our Lord. We want to say how we should live. We want to determine what it ought to be like. So when we read in the scriptures. Forgive those who sinned against you. You go, you don't know who I got to live with. Forgive them. You don't know what they did. That's the problem. See, he's not Lord. You're still Lord. When it says in the scriptures, and sir, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. So you don't know my wife. Nobody can love her. Her old mama doesn't love her. That's 
You don't know how hard she is to live with as Christ. So when you and I say, you're Lord, you are Lord. So if you said it, I'm going to do it. I don't even know how to do it, but I'm going to do what you said because you are the master of my life. And if you are master of my life and I'm not in control of my life, then you're able to free me from the things that are trying to master me, i.e. sexual sins, perversions, angers, bitternesses, and all these other pieces. I'm able to be free from those because I make him Lord. And he continues to Lord over my life, walking me through the sin habits that try to destroy and control and master me. Are you with me? Say yes. And so as a result of that, what happens is you and I sit here and we're fighting back and forth because I've got to submit to my husband as unto the Lord. Do you know who he, he's, he's not a complete person. He, he, he's, he, 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 how do I submit to a person who's got full, full of problems, but as unto the Lord, because that's he as master has the best plan for our lives. And when you say, no, I can't do what the scripture says. See, I, I appreciate counseling and therapy, and we do all of that around here. But at the end of the day, it won't, I can't get you. I can't get you to work together in your marriage if he's not master and lord of your life. He may have saved you from all the past and delivered you from all of that. But if he's not master, then you won't follow his teachings. The, what you want to do is change his teachings to fit how you think it ought to be. And that's the problem in walking this thing out called Christianity. Oh, but the safety that for unto you this day is born in the city of David, in Bethlehem, in a manger and swaddling clothes, the Savior, Christ the Lord. Who is Jesus? He's my Savior, but he's also my Lord. And so that's why at Christmas, when I sing, Oh, come, let us adore him. It's different than people who don't know him as Savior and Lord. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ. Let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ, my Lord. Sing one more time with me. Oh, come, let us uh who are you adoring i'm adoring christ my lord oh come let us adore him oh come let us adore him christ say my eyes my lord one more time and come let us Adore. I want you to think about what he saved you from. Oh, come, let. Think about who you would be had he not come into your life. Think about what he's delivered you from. And then resubmit yourself to him today as Lord. Him, Christ, the Lord. If you'll remain standing for just a moment. Father, I thank you for every man and woman in this room. 
Lord, we're trying to answer who are you to a world that's so confused. Lord, their confusion confuses us at times. You are the son of God. God did come and live amongst men. You are the servant of all. You served us. You went to the cross for us so that we could have life. You are our propitiation. You are our atonement. Oh, you saved us. You saved me from me. You saved me from my sin nature, the habits of my life. They were so destructive. And Lord, I've now learned to make you master, Lord. Father, I pray that as we sing songs around Christmas trees and around tables, as we're at office parties next couple days, those who don't know you sing these songs. They have no idea what we have, that the Savior, he was announced by the angels. Nobody even of importance knew it happened. They missed the moment because they were so caught up in their lives. And the Savior came in a child form. He's my Lord. Jesus, you are my Lord. And I want you to be the Lord of every man and woman in this room. As you stand there with your head bowed and your eye closed for just a moment. I want to give you an opportunity to see the past saved. To see the future saved. I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus your Lord. Maybe, maybe you say, Pastor, I used to be a Christian. I used to be real confident that God was my God. And that if I died, that my future was secure in Him. But I'm not so confident about that these days. I've gone back to my old ways. I'm not free from the sin. Sin's still kind of like it's destroying me. And I feel the guilt of that. I feel the weight of that. And I realize as you were speaking today, Pastor, that Jesus hasn't had the opportunity to save me from me because I keep lording over my own life. But today, I'm ready. I'm going to make him my Lord, my master. I'll do whatever he wants me to do because I can't fix it. It's so broken. I keep messing it up. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if this is you, if I've just identified you, that's the Lord, it's not me. I don't have the power to touch your heart like that. That's God tugging at you. If you recognize that if you died today, you wouldn't go to heaven. Listen, that's not, that's not this horrible thing because I got good news in response to that. Jesus, the Savior, is here, arms stretched out wide, welcoming you. And if you would but allow him to be the Lord of your life, Securing your future, delivering you from your past, and strengthening your present. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if this is you, you're either not a Christian or you used to be, and you feel the need, you know it's time to come back to the Lord. Would you let me pray for you? Would you be courageous enough to admit that to yourself, to the Lord? You say, what are you going to do? I'm just going to pray with you. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he's the Christ, the son of the living God, that he'll, he'll free you. And then you and I just surrender to him as Lord. Say, Lord, Jesus, you're my Lord. I surrender. Tell me what to do. Teach me through your word. And every day we grow in him. And so today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, if you say, that's me, Pastor, it's time to get right with the Lord. It's time to come back to Jesus. I've been away from you. Would you pray for me? That's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to embarrass you or humiliate you. 
But I need you to be courageous enough to admit that to yourself and to the Lord. The way I'd like you to do that is by lifting your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I'm away from God. And today I want to be right. God bless you, sister. Anybody else? Pray for me. God bless you. I see your hand. Who else? Say, pray for me, Pastor. It's time. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. I see both of you. God bless you, son. Anybody else? Amen. I see you over there. Thank you. Anybody else? Put it up. Put it back. I see your hands. God bless you guys. You can put them back down. You can put them back down. Anybody? Thank you, sir, for your honesty. Come on, just give you about five seconds. There's no notch on my belt. I'm just trying to help people know the, the Christ, Son of the living God. God bless you, son. Anybody else? God bless you, sir. God bless you. I see you in the back. Come on, it's been at least 10 of you. Is there anybody else? Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. Those that lifted your hand, you say, what do I do now? Well, you've done most of the work by just saying, I need God. I need a Savior. You lifted your hand knowing full well what you were deciding. That is, I want to make Him Lord. And so all we got to do is seal this deal with prayer. A prayer, just a prayer of submission. I'll lead you in that prayer. It's real simple. There's no magic to the words that we're going to pray. But supernatural is that you lifted your hand and admitted, I need God. And you, and you, you acknowledged, He's Lord. And we're going to pray and seal that. In fact, I'd like everybody in the audience to pray out loud with those of my friends who lifted their hand. And I want you to mean it. Those who lift your hand, mean it with all your heart. Say it like this. Say, Jesus. No, out loud. Jesus, today, I surrender. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of living the way I've been living. I ask you now, cleanse me. Save me from my past. Here and now, deliver me from the sin that I so love and enjoy. I ask you now to be the Lord of my life. I submit myself to your Lordship. And I declare in front of all of these people, Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. Write my name in your book of life because I'm yours. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I can serve you in power. Jesus, you are my Lord. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who prayed that prayer maybe for the first time or maybe as a homecoming prayer coming back to you in this moment. Lord, I pray that they would feel your love. I pray that they would feel and sense it's done. It's over. They don't have to perform. They don't have to, they don't have to give money to the church. They don't have to, they don't, to, to get your love and your acceptance and your salvation. It was done on a cross. You paid for everything. They just get to eat, eat of it. It's like going out with a friend who pays for the meal. Father, thank you for paying for salvation for us. Thank you so much with your blood on the cross. Thank you for coming and living amongst us. And Lord, during this Christmas season, Lord God, when we're all in the hullabaloo trying to make sure we got a a gift for that aunt, cousin, nephew that we didn't know was coming, God, may we not lose sight that unto us a Savior was born. Christ the Lord, my Lord, and my Savior. So I cannot put up with people cursing his name. I can't do it. Because I know what you saved me from. I cannot hold back. As our children sang today, I got to go tell it on the mountain. I got to go shout it out. Gloria, the King of kings and the Lord of lords has come to earth. The form of a child. It's not songs for me. It's not just mere words. It's the passion of my heart you've so delivered me and I'm so grateful Father 
Now, Father, I pray blessings over every man and woman in this room. Reach over and grab that hand, that person next to you. I pray, Lord God, that this, that this next few days, that every man and woman in this room would start having encounters with you. Lord, they start having encounters. In their, in their bed at night, literally, they would wake up and sense that you're there. Lord, that they would have visions, interactions with you that blow their mind. Lord God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that when they're with their relatives and their friends, their co-workers at Christmas parties, they would find themselves saying, you don't understand. You don't understand who I would have been. You don't understand the trajectory of my life, where I was headed. And then I surrendered myself to Jesus. I made him the Lord of my life. And he has saved me from me. You don't get it. You've got to see it. Lord, I pray that they would find themselves being so grateful for the Savior, Christ the Lord. And so, Lord, it's with that that we say thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for being born in a manger. And, Lord, when our children sing these songs, Lord, may it form their theology. As they sing and hear the story of Christmas, as we sit around the table and read the Bible to them, as they go to kids' church and they watch the little video apps of Jesus, Lord God, may they know that you are Savior and Lord. May they see it in mom and dad. May they know that we are surrendered. And Lord, even in our mistakes and our sinfulness, that they would see us get on our knees and say, Oh, Jesus, help me. Coming back under lordship. Lord, I bless your people. Lord, may they go forth today. Lord, as we go around on these little trailers singing tonight, may we have a blast. Lord God, may we just jump up on those trailers and laugh and have fun with friends and Lord may people come out of their homes and they're at the park run up to us and may we be able to tell them Jesus is my Savior and my Lord and he's so good and maybe for the first time people are able to see real Christians those who love them and love you so it's with that that we say bless your holy name and all God's people said amen and amen hey we love you we bless you